Broadcasting to you from Tennessee this week. My tour with Gavin Riley Smoke Machine is going real good. This week we're playing Nashville, Little Rock, Arkansas, Houston, Los Angeles, and Berkeley, California. So look out for that. My guest this week is Scotty B. This is one of my favorite interviews ever. I learned so much. Um, I maybe was a little in over my head talking about Baltimore house music in the 80s and stuff like that, but he answered all my questions and I learned a lot and I, I hope you enjoy it. The artwork this week, as always, is by Mike Riley. Check him out at MikeRileyComics.com and we're being hosted by Splice Today. Check them out at splicetoday.com. Let's, Let's go, go in. in. Northwest Baltimore. What part? Uh, like Mid Park Heights, like upper Mid Park Heights, like near the racetrack. So I went to the schools around there. You know, I went to Northwestern. I went to Poly first, went to Northwestern before I went to Falstaff. Went to uh, Grove Park, to fall, uh, cross country. So I went to a lot of different schools. Like, what was that area like at the time? And it was cool. It was a mixed area, you know. It was a... They call a lot of people, like, the Little Israel started years ago, you know. Right, right. All, you know, it just, it, it like, just walked up from downtown. But it was uh, either... It was mostly either... Jewish kids or black kids, and that's basically what it was. Oh, okay. It still is kind of, except the Jewish kids, the Orthodox, and like the Reform, more assimilated Jewish kids, they live in Pikesville, right? And even right. further out now. Yeah. But then it was it it was it wasn't. Okay. And are you Jewish? Yeah. Okay. Not Orthodox, obviously. Right. Right. <laughs> I couldn't take any Friday night gigs. <laughs> so, like, what kind of? Music was going on back then. Like, like, what do you remember first um, latching on to? Well, for early, early, it was a lot of uh, not the end of disco, but you know the mid, early, mid '70s stuff. And really, it was basically danceable R&B. Yeah, and that's kind of really what a disco really is. And um, I remember. There were like Brothers Johnson Strawberry Letter Twenty Three, which is actually a slower song, but I always remember that. And I'm a Brandy Wells Watch Out. That was a little later. Um, Diana Ross, um, Ready for Love, just stuff like that. I just you know. Pardon me for asking, putting it this way, but was that like normal for like a white kid to be into at the time? It wasn't abnormal because stuff wasn't so categorized then. Mm. You know, uh, most, you know, white kids or Jewish kids, I mean, with well, their parents, they all listen to Motown. They all right. listen to Motown. Yeah. So, especially people that grew up in cities, urban, people got urban upbringings. 
you know, I don't mean they're hood people, but they just listen to Motown. Motown has always has been the sound of urban America, not even the, the race don't, it just has been always that sound. I, I know you probably know the story about um, how they put some of the artists out with not their picture on the cover, but with like white people playing on the beach. Right. right but right. I, I don't know if they even had to do that. Yeah. But they did do it at okay. first to, to get the, to, to kind of get the sound and get the artist vocally familiarized with, you know, kind of already ingrained into the customer's head. I don't know if they ever needed to do that, but they felt they did and they did it. Right. I mean, right. Whether, whether that's why it worked or not, who knows? Yeah. But, you know. I guess when I think of, like, Baltimore at that time, like, what I imagine is, like, like hair, or I guess, like, heavy crack, metal. Crack the sky. People yeah. Like crack the yeah. sky on their notebooks. I mean, those right, people right. existed. Right. And, um, I mean, I remember them in, in some of the schools, you know, they had... I never even heard a Crack the Sky song, but I used to see that stuff. I know they're from Baltimore, too. But not, they're actually not. I heard that, but it? the story is that they are, isn't it? No, it's like they're from Pennsylvania. That's and they, it. They, but they had a big fan base Yeah, they here. just, right, like, right, blew right. up here for some reason. Right, that was it. I mean, I, and, you know, it was kid. You know, it was, it, was, it was heavy metal kids. Yeah. I mean, that just wasn't my crew, you know? Right, right, right. And how did you get into DJing? Because I always wanted to, uh, like when I used to hear the guy on the radio, I just thought he was cool. I always wanted to be the guy to play music for people. Yeah. Like kind of like played it and they list, made them listen to certain stuff. And even like in when I was in elementary school, when they would do plays, I always wanted to be the kid that played the songs off of the record. Oh, yeah. They did Hands on Gretel. We had the album. I played the, the songs right. off of it. And... When, like, DJing, the first thing I heard with, like, scratching and stuff was a record. It was a Sugar Hill uh, record that um, was Grandmaster Flash scra uh, mixing live on it. Yeah. Of course, you wouldn't be able to make that record now because of, you know, publishing. But right. um, they released it like like they it was good. And um, then I heard it was a kid that, I had a friend of mine named Chris and his brother lived in New York and during the summers he would come down. And one day, one summer he came down and he was talking about mixing contests and we didn't know what he was talking about. And it was a Russian kid that lived around our neighborhood and the family had a turntable, a record player, and a record player. And he put two records on, he started doing it, it sounded like shit. <laughs> but that was the first time I like got... Had any kind of like exposure to people playing two records at the same to for for a purpose? Yeah. And um, then you know on the radio they, they started having um, you know reel to reel tape spliced edits, and um, that was on WEBB. You know they're long gone, but James Brown owned that at one time. Oh, okay. And it's local, and it used to be Solar Power. Then Morgan took it over, and then it went back. You know, private owner. Yeah. Dorothy Brunson, she's a big, you know, up and down the East Coast. She's gone. A radio and black radio. She's a, like Kathy Hughes is today. I mean, of course, on a much smaller scale, a lot of AM. But yeah, she was. Uh, she ran EBB. I think. I think she ran EBB. And um, so you know, during the middle of the day, when the kids came home from school, 
First it was AP crew, they had mixes. Then it was the new marks, new marks DJ spin. So it was them second after I don't know what happened with AP crew, but then the new marks came and they, they were basically doing the same thing. And that was around 82 when they first when it was it's about 82 when I first started hearing that. And that's what that is, is real is real to that real. That's what that was then. They were and with chalk and razor blades, it's extremely yeah. I couldn't do it. You know, I mean, it's yeah. precise with doing. I don't know how they did that stuff, but is know. that like so? You know, like Latin rascals. Yeah, they did that, it too. That's the same thing. Yeah, real to real. I never knew that. When that's um cool. the new marks were doing it on EBB, they weren't doing what the Latin rascals were doing. It was way more intricate. Oh, they were basically doing a song uh, with something over top of it, splice. Keep the one song going up, song. But when they moved to V103, around 84, 85, the same time the Latin Rascals were doing it on Kiss, they were doing it on V103. And how did you start really DJing? Like, getting better at, at what you were doing? Um, just sounding terrible for a long time. <laughs> First thing I had, my father had a record player, and I had a, a small mixer with one turntable I could hook to the record player I couldn't. And it was one that with the stack, and the shit had to come over. Don't I? I don't know, but I know I sounded a mess. <laughs> yeah. But it's something I wanted to do, and I, I remember going to um, Luskins to get the one turntable, and I said I needed to go backwards. And the dude said, "I'm a DJ at Hammerjacks. Why, for, why do you need to go back?" I said, "You know," he said, "What's that?" You know, like <laughs> that's just cue. And I said, "No, you people hear it. Right? It's right. scratching. He didn't even know. You know what I mean?" And my father had no idea. And my father had me when he was 56, and he was a singer. Oh, wow. Before he had me. Okay. He was a heavy smoker, and one day his voice just... But, you know, like, he was... Like, when the Rat Pack would come to Baltimore, he was he was Jerry Lewis's homeboy. Oh, wow. So he was cool with him. That's crazy. And so he, you know, he knew Frank Sinatra. He knew Sammy Davis. He knew Lucille Ball. So when they would come to Baltimore and they would want to go down to Pennsylvania Avenue to those clubs, they would call him. Yeah. And they would go. Okay. At least that's what he told me. But I know he was a singer. Yeah, yeah. At what point did you feel like you got a hold of what, what you were doing, DJ-wise? When breakdancing came, yeah. we, we started getting more into that. And we that was our major and DJing was our minor. Oh, and one okay. of our homeboys his oh, that was in our group, his older brother was really a good DJ. His name was James. And my friends, his younger brother was my friend, was Kelly. And um, so what we would do, we would buy the stuff we wanted to dance to. We would buy one and he'd buy the other one so he could play them for us. And um, Kelly was good too, but he was more focused on dancing. And um, so we would be in the basement and they would always encourage, go ahead and mix, go ahead and mix. And so I would. But some I was scared because James was really good. And uh but so I did and then I started getting a little more serious with it and you know, just started doing little parties we had in our neighborhood, like when they would allow us to to have something and um in school when they had talent shows I would, I didn't want to get in them, but I would play like at the rehearsals and stuff just for fun. Mm. 
And, uh, you know, I was a bedroom DJ for a while and started getting battle. It was a club was opening at you know, Reichertown Road and Rogers. You know, you probably could see it's a facade of an old movie theater and oh, a yeah. shopping center. So after it was a movie theater for years, it turned into a club and it closed and then it opened up again. And some dudes that my cousin knew, I know him too, but they were his age group. He's older than me. And um, he said, I hadn't seen my cousin in some months. He ran away, got married, found out where he was, went up to him. He said, you know, so-and-so opened a club tonight. I said, yeah, for real. I said, get me a job there. So he said, okay. Got me a job, like, patting people down or watching the door. And um, they had a show in there one night. They were trying to make it. This is when house music was starting to get big in, in the city. And um, that's way before Baltimore Club. They seemed like a year's, if you look back, it really wasn't that long. But seemed in the like moment, in the moment yeah. it seemed like it was long. And um, they, uh, they had Giorgio performing, and the DJ didn't show up, so I needed a DJ. My cousin says, Scotty DJ, Scotty DJs. And they were desperate, so I went and got my stuff. And I played, and I didn't even know anything about delays and systems and all that, so I sounded a mess. Mm. But I, I knew I, I sounded a mess there because I didn't realize what was going on. I didn't have any monitors, but I knew what I was doing. I was playing the right records. And, you know, still then, like, the hip-hop crowd was of some house. They still had their hip-hop crowd classic records, like Set It Off was one, and Sing Sing and you know them, that record you would still play the real one not you know I was every sample and everything but you'd play two of them yeah and you know and it's just a few other ones but and whatever the records were current current records anyway I sounded a mess but I was I was kind of in yeah and um, once they started a hip hop night there they brought a dude in and I was working the lights his name was Wildstyle they brought him in. And I worked the lights, but he used to work at Metro Stereo in Mondarmin. So I used to buy records from him. You know, and he would need a break. Yo, yo, watch it. Five minutes. Another break. Next week, 10 minutes. Next week, 20 <laughs> minutes. Next week, I ain't coming to 12 o'clock. Just be ready. Every week, Saturday, you play the 12. And then that's how it started. Okay. House was, like, huge in Baltimore at one time, right? All right, I'm going to start it, go back to this club, the Body Factory. Yeah. The dudes that, when I say st um, started doing hip-hop nights there, th these guys, they were gay, right? Uh -huh. So they were a little bit more in tune with this housey sound that was, that was coming, right? So um, they were talking about, we're going to, it's going to start a revolution, music, blah, 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 blah. The club was in the wrong place for that. So um, they turned it to hip-hop, but, uh, you know, Baltimore always, the hip-hop parties always had a, a, a element in it that, that had a fact. Some of the songs were faster. I mean, they played yeah. the rap songs, but then, like, set it off. They always liked that. They're really Euro disco songs, like Dominatrix and Set It Off and these type of records. I mean, they're classics everywhere. Yeah. But in, for, in every city... Every city's got kind of a similar history up to this point, but they um Baltimore took it a little further. I always like telling yeah. you about it. Baltimore was a dancing town and they respected that stuff a little bit more. And um 
you know, when you used to hold me in these like the the house people, they call them they call it yo house, like that early stuff. But the songs that the hip hop crowds gravitated towards, they called it yo house, right? Okay. And even though some of them are still like you know what you would call divish records with people singing them. The long high note, right? That still, right. it's certain ones that gravitate toward. Anyway, so it was already sort of a uh, a thing coming. You know, Frank Ski was on the radio, and he used to like house, so he exposed his crowd was a hip hop crowd. He exposed a, a lot of the early stuff, and um, then some of that stuff started being have samples. You know, like vocally had the repeated samples yeah. in it. And then some of it started being samples from hip hop records, and right, I, I remember right. the first one I heard was the first one was Todd Ter was Royal House um, Party People, which starts off with gotta have house music, then it's it goes into pop up party people, oh, okay. the, and yeah. then it's in the middle it's uh, Run DMC, you know. Oh yeah, oh yeah, check this out, check that. I remember being in the bathroom at that club one night, I wasn't playing. They still kept the house night, they were trying to build it. And a, and a homeboy of mine, we were in the bathroom. You know, it's a funny place to talk to another fellow when you're at the <laughs> stall, but we talking about right. music. And um, he said, yo, it was a record y'all played. It was one of them house records that had Run DMC in the, mixed in the middle of it. And when I I knew when that dude he was basically the basic profile of customers going in these clubs, I knew when he said something about that song, some shit was getting ready to happen. Mm. You know, like musically, you could just tell it was catching people. So you know, if one person said it, a hundred persons felt it. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it was just one. I'd never forget that conversation. Who were the DJs that were starting to play that? When you know, when people. Of a certain genre of music, of course, their stuff is quicker, you know, because that's all they play. They're not gonna play records forever. They're not gonna end up with a a bunch of standards like yeah. four years later playing the same ones or right, whatever. Right. But in Baltimore, you gotta back then you had to be able to play hip hop. You had to play house. You had to play hip house. You had to play reggae. You had to play Miami bass. You had to play. Classics, you know, you had to be able to play 80s, you know, 80s music, Cindy Lauper, right, Talking right. Heads, you had to play all that, you yeah. know what I mean? So, like the house records that were the staples of the hip hop crowd were bigger records for them than they were for the house crowd, because of course they didn't last as long for them, you know what I mean? Because they yeah. were just playing house, so them records, and plus it was a little bit of. Oh, that's that's them records are for yo's. I mean, they. I mean, the house people, <laughs> yeah. and you know what? Anybody's on, in a certain art, they're very. Dis they have a discriminating taste. You yeah. know what I mean? And part of that is kind of like, oh, this person's doing it, so uh, I'm on to the next one. You right, know what I mean? right. In your opinion, how did it get to be more like there? It it has branched off into this other thing. Um, when that house thing stuff. In like eighty nine, like eighty nine ninety, house music was big everywhere, and I, it ain't just the hip hop crowds in Baltimore. It was hip hop crowds in New York, the hip hop right. crowds in DC, hip hop crowds everywhere. 
were wearing backpacks and skipping around with sweaters on and shorts. And, you know, that was just what, that was, what was the that? style. Yeah. So people listen to house. And, um, it was funny because a New York kid was, we came in a record store we were talking about one day. He said, I ain't going to lie to you. We did the same thing. But we gave it back to him after a while. So we said, we gave it back. Y'all didn't. Mm. Y'all kept it. And y'all cultivated it into something else. Yeah. That's similar, you know, but not the same. But he said, we gave it back. We went back to hip hop. Right, you know? right. It was, it was one night, Sean Caesar, who, you know, went through all this with me till now. We were, um, he went to a place and heard David Morales play. It was, it was for a new music seminar. It was a house crowd, blah, 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 in the red zone. So he had me come up there with him. And it was a hip-hop party, even though he was, Morales was playing. And you could tell it was the people that used to like house. They were all hip-hop kids. And it's like when OPP was out. And nobody was dancing. People were holding up signs, play hip-hop, play hip-hop. Of course, he ain't going to do it because David Morales... But when he fucked around and dropped OPP, it was like really a bomb hit that place. Mm. Like everybody went crazy. But I could tell they they were already moved on. And we weren't. You know, we were up there. We weren't. We were ready for him to play. Like, you, I don't know. You know, you might have heard interviews on how we tried to describe the stuff we played before Baltimore really just took that part of the night. Like a lot of UK... Um, Hip house and um, we were like, man, if he plays so and so right now, it, this will work. It will work. Yeah. Of course, he wasn't, but it was that was kind of where we were. You know, we were in a whole different little space, right, 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 that nobody else was in. You know, between really Baltimore Club is kind of based on the way Sean Caesar used to play at Fantasies, mm. and the the thing like the separated. You can kind of understand where um, tastes end up going when you like the lot when you know the background information on, on who the people play for and all that. It's like when people say the white crowd, the black crowd. That it's there's not one white crowd, there's not one black crowd. It's it's several different right things. And like with the black crowds, like I played the hip hop parties. I was at Godfrey's. That's what I played. So I played classes and I played the more popular house ones and hip hop and whatever. Sean was playing house. And um, back then it was Chicago house, New York house and Detroit techno, which was more house than what people perceive it as becoming. Okay. Like rhythm is rhythm and Reese and San Antonio. I mean, there's things people know, but it's a little different than what kids really think it was. Mm. It was really more how when they hear it, they probably wouldn't. It wasn't as like the Detroit techno was never radical, but they would. It was still more housey than what they would expect if they were really. It, it was like the classics in Detroit techno that I that I know isn't a classic to somebody to younger people. Right, right, right. So, anyway, so that's what he was playing, and he then they started getting into playing. Um, like the what happened was the Chicago house started being hip house, and it started being a little more aggressive, and um, but then that you know that that Lynn Collins break started being some of that Chicago stuff, and so Sean started playing original breaks to that stuff. 
and like he would play that your bad sister break you know and stuff like that that sing sing break came from the hip-hop parties but the your bad sister break really came from the house came from fantasies came okay. from sean and um it would it's almost like and you know sean would play six hours seven hours it almost seems like any baltimore club record is a microcosm of sean playing for seven hours it's just the flavor to it you know, he was, he was the one like, man, sample this and put Bassus under. I mean, when as a DJ, you know, that was how he played. And he was, a, you know, he, he brought a little groove um, to his productions that what none of us did. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and how does he do that? Like, like if you're saying he would, like, take take some of that stuff and put, put the break under it, is that, like, with... Samplers? No, I mean, he would okay. play them. I mean, you know, you had to break beat records, and he would play them that way. And it just seemed like, like you know, at first the Baltimore Club stuff was house-oriented with breaks under it, and that's how he played. It just, it's, you would have to hear him, and then you'd understand it. Like, it just seems like the blueprint for Baltimore Club's beginning was like Sean Caesar playing a Friday night at Fantasies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Fantasies was way is Paradox. Okay. It was the first it was up on Howard Street. And then okay. after that closed they moved to the Paradox. That's one of the things that's always ran through my mind is like how does how does one scene just create a new sound? Like like now you can create a new genre every day you know someone could say this is this kind of music and that's just put why it none of them no good right <laughs> right and, you know it's a lot like of course they said that about the house people said that about us like they didn't like sean the house people because sean was a little on the outskirts you know, yeah they were right down the middle of that house thing and that dude, this is what we do and sean was a little to the and his night really of course any movement's got to be young people and his crowd was a little younger than what them other crowds were starting to be. Mm. And also, that house scene, there was a lot of kids that went to um, HBCUs. They were black kids that went to college. And and what they ended up doing was they moved on. They became all the kids that liked the native tongue stuff. They moved on from like house I mean, of course, they have memories of it, but they didn't continue going with it. And um, they started like, and you know, trial called Quest, and, yeah. You know, leaders of the new school and PE, and that's you know, because it like during that time, even in hip hop, that was the um, conscious era. You know, that was the the medallions, the African medallions, yeah. and all that kind of stuff, and even some of the house music reflected that by the by the content sure yeah and um but it moved on that's what that's where that went anybody that was into that stuff they went to that you know more of uh a, you know that native tongues or you know black power stuff and as far and and, and into hip-hop they was out of dance after a while in house right right but my crowd was not into that. I mean, they went to the songs, but the content, they could care less. They just aren't those kind of people. They Kids that listen to music to party to, they weren't into knowledge and all that kind of stuff, so they didn't care if it was fast. They didn't care 
you know, it could be saying, you know, fight the power, and they ain't give a damn about fighting anything. Yeah. You know, they just like the music. Yeah. And, you know, they were pretty much, they would hear something, and to them it was entertainment. You know, to the kids Sean played for, it was art, and art imitated life for them. Okay. And, you know, and not for my crowd. My crowd it weren't, you know, they, they were kind of like the regular people. They were mainstream people. And was it younger or, or older? Nah, both. Okay. Both. Yeah. But they didn't have the same life experience as his crowd. You know, my crowd was inner city. They were his crowd was the ones that went to college out of the inner city or mm. even some maybe some suburban kids, but yeah. Way more like people with opportunity, you know. Unfortunately, you know what I mean? Sure, yeah. A little bit better upbringings sometimes, you know. So not all. I mean, he had people that sold drugs in there too. He, especially as that popularity of house started coming, they started going there. So what ended up happening is, uh, I was at Godfrey's on Saturday, and he was at Fantasies on Friday. Our crowd started crossing. Like uh, some of the people he he would have that wouldn't come to me. Eventually, they started coming to me if they had a second night out. Yeah. And um, that week, and the same thing for him. A lot of my people would go to him on Friday and would come to me at my night on Saturday. Mm. So, and that's kind of how the club music started move. You know, the beginnings and like the roots of it, because our crowd started hearing the other. You know, people think of house and hip hop. Yeah, and I mean, if you're looking at it in the most, you know, plainest look, yeah, that's it. So just to try to explain it in the plainest way, that's yeah. why. Because I had a hip-hop place, and I had the biggest night in town. He had a house place with the biggest night in town, and the, the crowd started crossing mm. and intermingling. So the music started imitating that. And how does it go on to records from there? Well, once we figured out we could save a couple bucks and put out a record, then it started being a reality. Mm. And um, we've all worked in record stores already. So, right, you know, yeah. Tommy Davis had put out some records. Is that the inner city record? No. no. Tommy Davis worked at Metro. He was part of Basement Boys. Oh, okay. And he okay. put out a record, and um, he was one of my idols. And, um, you know, eventually we were like, you know, one or two other people, they were like, we could put out records. I mean, it's the, you know, and me and Sean were real close. And, um, me and the Equalizer, the first record I put out was with, with Bob, with Equalizer. Yeah. And um, Sean put out one right after. They were almost like little, they were brothers. The records were brothers, like, right, basically. Right. And um, that was the start. That was the start. We weren't the first. I mean, Tommy put out a record, and it was a house record, but had to repeat it, like, samples, like, vocal samples. But it was a house record, and um, then he put out something else with the, with spinning them, and you know spinning them was making records too, but they were hip hop records. Uh -huh. And then Level Four, which was a Baltimore group, um, that the father put the records out on his label. He worked at WEBBJ Russell. He's gone now. Okay. And um, but one of the records was. Uh, to be real, and it they rapped. It was hip house. They rapped over it. And um, yeah. but the instrumental sounded what would be a Baltimore record coming. Right. 
It was all like the classics, like the, them, when I mentioned standards, they sampled everything in there. Do your bad sister break? Funky Makosa, Sing Sing, and a couple other things. And that basically was the. When that came out, people stopped playing Sing Sing at the parties because it modernized Sing Sing because it had so much bass in it. Mm. You know, a lot of times, you know, a lot, a lot of stuff with musical trends and genres is influenced by a lot of different things. It ain't just because dude likes this and dude. I mean, you know, you talk about sound systems. You talk. Yeah. So now you got a record that's got a Miami bass bass in it, and it's using your 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 standard. So you really just modernized your standard. So that's the so standard. the standard's right, out right. of here. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's in it, and now it it can uh that record sing sing is from 1978 on an old old record, so it don't sound that good. But now you got one that's 10 years older. Mm. That maximized everything it could, you know what I mean, and the, it's more, it's less time on it, so it's louder. It's got all the bass. It knows exactly where people are mentally now, and so it sounds better. Yeah, and it's the same damn thing. Those early records, are they being sold just for DJs mostly? I mean, mostly DJs. You had some people that. Um, but see, by that time, most of your music customers were buying tapes uh-huh. that weren't DJs, and or they bought whole albums. Right. Um, you had some that bought twelve inches of singles. I mean, forty fives weren't there no more. I mean, nobody or they were there, but nobody, no record store ordered forty fives anymore. Yeah. And um, so you had the twelve inch single, and you had the whole albums. You had tapes. And then at some point, the labels started phasing the whole albums out because you either bought the damn tape or you bought the 12-inch single. Mm. And the cassette singles weren't. Yeah, I remember the first, like, notable album that they didn't press was Johnny Gill, My, My, My album. Eventually they did, but only on import, not domestically. We could order it. It was limited. We could order it, and the, but it was after the release was he, he it was already out for a while. I mean, you get twelve inches off of it, but they didn't press the album. But like, but the regular people to answer you, no. Mostly it was DJs. If if a Baltimore record like that would come out, would it just be D, like DJs across the country that wanted to have it? Just people. No, it Baltimore. was mostly Baltimore people. Like say on the record that me and the Equalizer did the first one. Yeah. We had one that one track on there was strictly Baltimore track. One um sampled one of those old UK hip house records, but didn't do nothing there, I don't think. And um then the other side we kinda made housey. We weren't really housey people, like we didn't have it in it we could play it, but we didn't have it in us to make it. So but but Sean's first record had a hip hop song on it. Had a couple. Had one Baltimore joint. Then had a couple house ones, and one of the house ones is a is a house music classic all over the world. House for all. Like you, anybody's in the house, they know that song. I mean, it's mm. big, and he sold a lot. He licensed it. It's still. We fight now 
because he kind of includes me in it, even though that was his, because I was in on some of the studio sessions. Oh, okay. People um, kind of associate by association, if nothing else, you know what I mean, with it. And um, so I made, he, I mean, he said, you know, people that wanted, back in the day wanted to pop, you know, license it. He didn't know much about it. He did it. Now he regrets it. Like, the, the limitations, which he didn't make any, like, oh, you know, yeah. and, you know, it wasn't digital. There was no digital back then. And they fight them. They won't, they won't do anything. They won't like, for real, Sean should sue him, mm. but he, I don't know why he won't, but it's like, you know, like, dude, we didn't, yeah. I mean, they still have the paperwork from 20 years ago. It's even longer than that where he, you know, but, uh, like, dude, we, there was no digital. There was no digital. You oh, can't so just like, do that. We have the digital rights. Oh, we, we have all. He said all rights. rights. Yeah. Okay, it says yeah. all. But there were no digital. I mean, I, I mean, if you go to court for that, they will allow you something. Mm. They'll allow you something. They won't let you crush the guy, but they'll allow you something. Yeah. I don't know. Sean just don't really pursue it. Mm. You know, he sold a certain amount himself. And of course, these other labels that were way more into music business at that point, and with a lot more um, leverage and just knowledge, sold so many more than he did that people think that's the original label. Like when the when the original label, which is Sean, shows up like on pictures, people say um, because like his says factory mix for the the original version. And on the the ones that are released on Definitive, which was the people that licensed it, it says original mix. So people say, is that one that says factory mix the same as their original? And they think the one that says original is on the original label because it says oh, original. Oh, okay. It's just it's just real crazy, but uh, that did really, really well. Wow. And that was in ninety one, ninety two. Mm. Yeah. Is that what what kind of like? made it blossom into a, a label like a it, that was part know, of i think yeah. i think um just uh consistency and um i think the fact that uh the music was new in baltimore it was fresh it was something that was uh you know studio to club and um you know, sometimes, of course, the sample, some pop, you know, popular stuff here and there. I think it freshened up some things um, that made them custom for, for people here. I, it's hard to say. It's just like people were all in the middle of um, something that was happening. You know, it's the club's scene was vibrant because of it and... It made people want to go out and hear stuff you couldn't hear it on the radio, and they weren't going to play it. And um, now they wouldn't allow mix shows for it or any of that. So you had to go to the club to hear it. Mm. And the fact that um, local people, the DJs, were associated with it, you knew you were going to go to the club and hear new stuff. It just was, it was exciting. You know, it, it was, it was a movement. And everybody felt they were a part of it or, you know, they could touch the people that were involved. I think that was important. At that time, you know, between putting out records and DJing, was it like 
a full-time job for you guys to some degree? It was a full-time um, lifestyle. Yeah. You know, because the clubs, you, you know, it was mixtapes. And a lot of this stuff, I think the mixtape is kind of what pushed it over the edge because people could take it home with them. Yeah. You know, so even though the radio was the last thing on it, you didn't need the radio. Because if a person had a, a boom box, had a radio, had a tape player, they put the tape play, tape on. Or in the car, they put the tape in. Yeah. So the, the mixtape is kind of what pushed it, like made it like from real obscure to, this is kind of um, the commercial sound. Or like this is the lifeline of the city. It's y'all so I'm speaking to the radio. Y'all just not on it, and y'all won't be on it. Right, right. But like, what year did the mixtapes start? No, the, right out? away. Because people oh. are already doing mixtapes with all every other genre. I mean, right, right. That right. wasn't nothing new. Okay. Uh, but then you had you know this music coming, and I think it's the one that more benefited from the tapes than any other ones because. From day one of the genre, the mixtapes were there. Yeah. So it kind of pushed the sound, too. You know, it was basically an advertisement for clubs and for um, stores. Mm. More than, you know, you. I mean, if you wanted a Scotty B tape, you had to come. First, I worked the Sound of Baltimore. First, I worked at Music Liberated, but that was before club music even started. And I worked at Sound of Baltimore when the stuff that inspired club was coming. And then I moved down to inner city, and that's when an equalizer worked there. He got the guy to bring me down oh, there okay. and take me from Sound of Baltimore. And um, that's when Club started. And um, like the first records and stuff. What do you think of as the point, like the peak or something of, of Baltimore Club? Well, anybody like an out group. Would say 93, 90, no, 95, 94, 95, 96. Like, the, like you would say the unruly era. Yeah. That's what our people would say. And then you got like the Rod Lee era and um, Black Star would be after that. And then like Black Star was making stuff, but when Black Star got popular, then, then it, that was a hipster thing. And, um, that was completely different. By that time, Baltimore was over, over club. Okay. Over. I mean, as far as, you know, uh, and, you know, K-Swift was the radio person, but yeah. it was on the radio then. So it kind of got watered, not by the content itself, but by, like, she had a certain thing that she liked, so she played it. Just like you got a certain pair of shoes, you like, you're going to wear Nikes or whatever yeah. you like. You know what I mean? But... It also made it where you didn't have to go to the club. You know, the purpose of the music was gone. Mm. You know, the purpose for it was really gone. And, you know, it became kind of a commercial thing. Like people, like K-Swift never made a song. Right. You know, and, and the fact that, now this ain't her fault, but the fact that it was always a DJ music, mostly, and like the artists, there were some artists that weren't DJs and some that were. But, of course, the one that's a DJ, you know, he had more access and he played whatever. So people assumed, I guess, assumed that she was a part of creating club music, 
because she created mixtapes or CDs. But she wasn't. She was a DJ. You know, she, she didn't have that. You know, even, you know, people, it's, it's kind of hard to explain to people. No, like, I understand. Like K-Swift. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because you're into the to that scene. But for people that's not into music, they're just consumers. You couldn't ever tell them the K-Swift. What do you mean she don't make music? I got the CD right here. Right, right. Now, well, right. look at the list. Her name ain't on none of that one. Well, yeah. I, well, I don't know if she made the CD. She made the music. They don't know. You know, they can't really differentiate it. But that's not her fault. That's the way the music came. You know, I mean, it was right. always DJs. There was always a mixed tape thing, and and the DJ was always the star. Right, right. So right. It, it's not she didn't make that happen. She just played the same part as anybody else, except for making the stuff. But like, kind of like that triad of confusion. Yeah, she didn't make. She didn't start that. I mean, she, it's, that been that's been there. Right. And just to go back a little bit, sure. And then, we, like, our stuff had more of a house um, influence uh-huh. because there was people were still playing house. So when you sample stuff, we sample what we were playing, just like everybody else does. Yeah. So there was a house element and hip hop. So our stuff was more dancey with people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then as it got progressed, you know, like say now. Like with the stuff they make here and in Jersey, that ain't for dancing. Like you and a girl ain't gonna dance, right? You gonna yeah. dance against against somebody. That's battle yeah. music, you know. That's for dancing against people, because and there's no house thing in it because nobody of that group they don't listen to house. So and, and they you know they only they make the songs that of stuff that they they listen to, right? And that, you know people is people don't you know so. That's why we like hot stuff battle, and they like that stuff. But okay. that's fine. You yeah, know yeah. I mean? But as far as like, well, I mean, as far as how we marketed it and made the, the records and how people got paid, this, that, and the other, it, we kind of tried a thousand different things. Sure, like we sure. paid people up front. And then we said, um, you know, we first when me and Sean was first did stuff, we put house and club and hip hop on them try, because we saw New York labels do that. Yeah. Where they would put house and hip hop things on the same records. So we tried it and some of that stuff worked. Like we heard like New York hip hop tapes where the little hip hop tracks with samples was, that was stuff we had on our records. Or we heard Tony Humphreys played this house thing we made, which was really, this stuff was more of an edit because we weren't musical. But they were kind of done in a Baltimore way. You sample this, you sample this, you sample yeah. that. But um, then our dudes, it was more of club, 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 club on the stuff. And, you know, we paid them up front for songs. Like, at first it would be one song on each side with different, like, instrumentals, acapella loops, if they were available. If we So we started, you know, trying to, when we recorded, we recorded those loops too and you right. we needed and then we started doing the three on each side thing um, and calling them EPs and trying to, um, we charge more money. Yeah. Wholesale. I mean, we were charging $3 sometimes. We would put them through distributors. We were like, we make, we could make more money. This is right now. Then we, when, when we got to that point, we said, we're the shit. This music's the shit. You know, 
we do okay selling our own mixtapes and making some pocket money, but the company don't make that. And it's a thousand people making mixtapes now with this stuff on. We ain't getting a dime. Well, they're buying a record, yeah, but they're selling hundreds and thousands of dollars worth of tapes and they buying one damn record. Right. So we ain't right. making no money. Yeah. And of course, up in the price, we weren't going to make much more, but we were going to make more. And plus, we wanted to, the guys, because of course, we were the label and they were the employees. And even though we did the same thing as them, there was a point where we weren't the same because we were the label and they were the employees. Yeah. So we wanted to try to get them into ownership too. Ownership means you don't get paid up front. And they didn't want, after a while, that's something they didn't want to do. Mm. You know, they, they didn't want to do. They wanted to get paid up front. But, but when we first were doing the EPs, and, and we started, we had, you know, Pick 'em Up was buzzing off of, you know, people used to play before stuff came out off reel to reels because they sounded good. And you could stop and start them on, on, on point. And, um, so the buzz was going around about Pickle and said, you know what? We're going to start that three and that six-track shit with the high price now. We mm. got the biggest record. This record going to be the biggest club record ever up to that point, right? We If it's if we're going to try it on this, if it's going to work, it's going to work on this. If not, if it don't work on this one, it's just not meant to work. Yeah. And um, so without the distributor, we told these record stores, you got to pay... Uh, the fuck we were trying like six dollars wholesale a record. Mm. I mean, it was six tracks. I mean, you buy an album, you like two songs on it. We got six tracks. The DJ's gonna play all six. So fuck it. I mean, whatever. They ain't gonna say no. They need music. Yeah. And um, the asshole stores like Metro put a sign up. First off, they like we were charging five. No, we were charging wholesale five. Okay. Right. And the wholesale for a record was two fifty three dollars. We were charging five, and um, and that was a direct sale. You know, that's it was even less to a distributor. We got less than that than the two or three dollars. And um, so like where I worked, we were charging nine ninety nine. Asshole Metro was charging fourteen ninety nine. Because mm. what they did was they took advantage of the situation, but in their favor. So, and they said, don't blame us on a thing right on the record. Don't blame us. Blame the label. Motherfucker, you charging $5 more than any goddamn store. Yeah, yeah. So you're taking advantage of a price hike to hike it even more and put the blame on somebody else. Mm. But the shit worked, and they yeah. sold out of them. And so did we, and so that's... uh. That's how that ended up being. You know, then Bernie started... Getting into um, pressing records for technique, you know. Oh, he pressed that was his. Oh, yeah, that okay. was him. That was him. Yeah. I, it don't matter whose name was on him. Bernie was doing that. Bernie would press his own. And he would buy stuff like all the the stuff Rod and Technique didn't think was good as some of the other stuff. They sold to Bernie and okay. Bernie pressed them. People didn't care. They would buy anything. Yeah. So he. I mean, as as a business, that I wasn't. Dumb, you know what I mean, for him to press his own records and sell them in his own store. Yeah. He caught all the traffic that way. But then, at that time, too, it was on the radio. Hip-hop was big again in clubs, because it wasn't for a long time. It wasn't any hip-hop. But then, Sean and me started playing it where we were. At that point, Paradise was open. Mm -hmm. And then, the Ozone was opening. We were playing 
you know, the club music, the Baltimore club music was starting. You know, we were kind of getting out of the UK hip house and house period mostly, and it was Baltimore stuff. And then, but it's funny because the same time we started playing Baltimore stuff, we started playing hip hop again, like a little set, twenty yeah. minutes. You know, not long. They kind of grew together again, but you know, and then people hadn't heard hip hop in clubs for so long that that became a. Uh, I mean, of course, Baltimore Club was a smash, but Baltimore Club was an extension of stuff that had been going on. The hip-hop kind of came back. Mm. Boom. You know, it was getting big again just because it was it was new. And then, you know, it was, the big, it was like when Onyx first came out. And, and then a little after that, it was Biggie. And, you know, that, so everything was starting. With that stuff started being new, too. That was a whole new, you know, New York coming back and just, yeah you know it was it was kind of, it was that was a, a exciting time too just to even, i mean i know it ain't baltimore club but it's hip-hop it, it, yeah the thing is people they'll say um a lot of times I mean, we came to hear you playing you know you play more than just club you know we, we just came to play. i said i understand something i said them, a lot of dudes, they got their life started with Baltimore Club. Like, they didn't even become important until Club came. They made some songs, and that became their tag. I would, like, and when, so, so I said, so when I explained to you how Club started and how we were playing, and the, the end of disco, and we were playing house, and we were playing old R&B and, and hip-hop, and you hear this, the music and you hear how that stuff influenced this stuff. It just didn't stop one day and this started. My DJ career didn't start with the first club record. It started with all this and what people call classic club nowadays. So I still like to play that. Right. I mean, you know, I didn't, Baltimore Club didn't make me, you know what right. I mean? So I like to play. And a lot of times people don't get it. And, and you know, then they start understanding. Then they start enjoying it because then mm. it becomes almost like a, a memory lane and it's a book and like I'm, it's almost like teaching somebody and you hear it you know and right, you, right. You, and instead of coming there I want to hear you know just bang 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 yeah club music all night which is great yeah you know but I like to play around the table right because right, that's right. how I grew I mean that's how I grew right if, if we wouldn't have grew that way this stuff that you came to hear all night wouldn't have happened this club right, would right, not right. have happened yeah you're talking about the time of like Onyx. If you like didn't play all that stuff, it's almost like you'd be acting like you didn't even know it was there. So, like but we were too good to play. It. Yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. No, nah, we liked it. We still yeah. always. The funny thing was, even when hip hop wasn't getting played at all in the clubs, it was all Baltimore and the stuff before Baltimore. We still sold the hell out of mixed hip hop tapes. Mm. You know. The some of the oh, wasn't a lot of people that made them at that point, but I did. You know what I mean? Because mm. I liked it. Yeah, I still liked it. And I play and I and I, and I did good with them because nobody else was. It wasn't a lot of people really selling them. And did you did you get involved with like local hip hop stuff the the same way to a degree? Okay. And um, but that was like it was funny because um, I was the inner city. There was a store. 
the Supreme Imperial or something. The lady used to work for Bernie. She had it. And um, they were like around the corner. And, you know, a lot of dudes, the, the, we called them the hip-hop dudes. You know, they yeah. were, you know, the Black Medallions and, you know, that kind of scene. And when we were all younger, it would be like if you were, you know, Lab Tech One? Yeah. All right, so me and him are brothers. Okay. So the, the thing is, it would be like everybody you would describe as lab tech ones except him. <laughs> okay. He won't go. Yeah. See, he always wants to be what, whatever you would preconceive of him. Purposefully, yeah. he'll go the other way. Right, so right, right. instead of being in there with them, he was down there with us. So he would always argue with them. Okay. You know, but, and you know, they were really inclusive and um, they didn't like us, right? I mm. think because we were just the, the general population. And, you know, they had their thing going on, especially on Friday nights. I think it was Friday nights they would have ciphers in there till late, mm. right? And we were more in the, the club stuff and the more, you know, money-fied hip-hop and just being just ignorant, you know what I mean? And yeah, just, yeah. They, they, were, they, were, they were purposeful toward their purpose. And... um. They used to hate Omar because he would be with us and not them, and he'd be in there arguing with them, and he could rap, yeah. you know. And, uh, you know, Omar likes club music. Yeah, you know? yeah. He, you know, he likes how he grew up on house. He grew up on disco. He grew up on hip-hop. He grew up on all that. He's just him. Right, right. He never will deny that. He'll, it, you know, never. And he's a dancer. You know what I mean? He's a good dancer. He's a great MC. Yeah, definitely. And, uh... Me and him grew up in music to a degree together, mm. you know. He used to be on Fantasies and, you know, and and Godfrey's. Yeah. I like some of his his club oh, type he's, stuff. Um, he's he's the out. only one that, be, that could do that. First mm. of all, he can do it because he came from all that. Mm -hmm. And um, so he it's in him. So it's easy for him. It was easy for him to develop that style to rap over that stuff with Boo Man and them. Right, right, right. Because that stuff was unbelievable. Yeah. But he's on. He, it's not a lot of people that probably could do that. Yeah. But yeah. he had to be around it. Like I like Nas. Nas couldn't get up and do that because Nas didn't doesn't didn't live that. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's not in him. Yeah. It would have to be somebody like that. Like Common could do it. Because he's from Chicago, right, like right. he's—I've heard him do. It was a hip house record that he did like a few years ago. Oh, he murdered it because mm. he's from that. Yeah, you know? yeah, but yeah. You have to have. You couldn't just say, "Oh, I went to a couple of parties. They played Percolate." I know. No, that's not being <laughs> in it. That's living that like till six in the morning for a big part of your life. Yeah. You know, it's interesting what you were saying. As it starts to get the club stuff starts to get on the radio, you feel like it starts to change. The, like the attitude towards it like it started being a I don't want to say younger it's just that I got older you know we the people keep you know I you know I always tell people it's, it stuff never goes younger it's the it's the uh changes like it, if it was 18 it's still 18 uh -huh. it's just that those people we were 18 10 years ago I mean not now but <laughs> Well, we're 28 now, so when we were 18, the people that's 18 now were 8. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the where the music really hits never changes. 
it's who it hits right, right, go, right, right, go, right. goes across. Goes across it and whether that age it hits them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's just that's just what that is. Now the music was different. It was still Baltimore Club, but it was a little different. And plus, you know, now you had to go to clubs to hear it. And hip hop kind of took the clubs over at that point. But you still heard it in the younger clubs. Mm. It was kind of half and half still. But being on the radio, it just wasn't hype to go out and hear it, which means you didn't go to the clubs and hear new stuff first. You heard it on the radio. You heard it on somebody's mix. You didn't hear it first at the club, so right. the club wasn't as important. Right. And since the music is made for clubs, then you got a problem. I mean, you don't have, like, I mean, it's not like a sign on the wall problem, but just as <laughs> art, right. it yeah. fizzles out. Right, right. It's more like, becomes like the music to, like, just drive home to after work or something like that. It's yeah. it's like people coming to the booth telling you to play certain songs, because guess what? They heard it first the same time mm. the DJ did. Okay. One thing I wanted to ask you about is uh, Miss Tony was... He's someone that that came from your nights that you were doing? Well, mostly Sean's nights. Okay. He used to be down fantasies like two, yeah. three nights a week. Down fantasy, the Friday was the college night. Saturday was a little older, right? And Sunday was the gay night. I mean, it was gay people there every night, but Sunday was the gay night. Right. Friday was a little older and and gay and straight. I mean, and, you know, Sunday was more the drag queen and, you know, the diva kind of mm. gay night. And Saturday was people that was a little bit um, regular looking and they might be gay. You know what I'm saying? Okay, yeah. But yeah. you had some, some drag in there too. And straight people that liked house. And Friday was uh, a little, a, a couple gay people, but it was a college night. It was more of a straight. You know, as we discussed, that's what it was. And Tony yeah. used to be on a couple of nights. Tony was a hood guy. You know what I'm saying? Even though he dressed, he was. I know Tony before music because mm. he used to. I met Tony. With, I had a girlfriend at the time, and he used to go to the school where she went. And then she had people in projects, and Tony was a security, a project building security. So we would always see him. Yeah. And um, so we got to be cool from there. And, um, you know, he was down fantasy, fantasies a lot. And then he started, there was somebody else used to do it, like, you know, jumping around going woohoo. I mean, a lot, a lot of the gay guys in the closet at the time would do that. But to be kind of like the center of it, like being the one in the middle, you know, going, it was him and somebody else doing it. The guy Cedric ended up being a DJ, a real good DJ. Matter of fact, Cedric was the DJ that, you know, a lot of people, a lot of times they categorize, they pigeonhole house music to gay people, gay people to house music. Uh huh. And so, now think about this, you know, when, when the thing about house music now that's a problem is it never got younger. So a lot of the people, uh, yeah. that when you go to Paradise of Deep Sugar, they're older. They don't have a, a young following. Possibly doesn't have young people. And so in Baltimore, what happened was, the, um, 
like the gay kids now, they listen to hip hop. Right, right. They don't right. listen. They're just black kids. Yeah, yeah. But they don't listen. They, there's no house part of them no more. Right, right, right. You know, there's so, and so Tony start. He started doing straight clubs as an MC after a while. Cedric started playing. Like he saw that, right? He used to play down the Paradise on Saturdays, and he saw that. And they were the young kids were still coming there because it really wasn't like Tony could go to the straight clubs. They couldn't go okay. because Tony knew everybody. He was shouting out people. By this time, it was a show. People didn't care about being gay for him. Yeah, but they did care about it for everybody else. Okay, so um, they you know they were you know they were going down. They liked how some. But he started playing club music for them. So, so, and no other, like, like the, the gay or house DJs did that. And he did. And, and the crowds were younger, so they were kind of in the middle. They were still in the house, but kind of starting to get away, maybe. And then he started playing club for the gay, younger crowds, and they ate that shit up. Mm. Like, it was unbelievable to watch them do all the stuff they do at clubs, but to that. Right, right, right. Like, right. you know, that's how the ball music started. It started off one song. What, what term did you just say? Ball music. What, oh. You know, it's what they call like that ball. They call it ball music. It's kind of like Baltimore Club and House mixed together. Like, when, uh. like it's a, there's one little sample that's in all the ball music, okay. right? Yeah. And it comes from what the most popular Baltimore club record he used to play at those parties when it first started kicking off is traced back to Cedric playing To The Rhythm by Boo Man down at the Paradox. Okay. They used to break fucking trash cans and he would play <laughs> that shit. It's B-to-B-B-B-B-B-B hot, but it's that hot. And that's yeah. the shit that's in all the ball records that every ball record has that in it Okay. Now. But it started from Cedric yeah. playing it. That's why the club part is so important. And once you pull the club importance out of it, you killed it from growing anymore. That because, makes sense. Because, yeah. you know, the, the artistic part and those parts aren't coming on the radio. You know, that's in the club. Mm. That's people being loose. That's people absorbing everything. On the radio, you... By that time, people going to clubs, they basically dictate, they play this, play this, play, oh, don't play this, don't play this, don't play this. That's mm. what goes on now. And the hip-hop clubs, I mean, people with fucking iTunes and everybody, and they have the same yeah. access to music as the number one DJ has. They're gonna, yeah. You know, because the labels now, with the internet, they don't promote physically, they push a button. It's the same importance for... John Smith to have it, it is for Funkmaster Flex. Mm. Well, maybe that's a stretch, but... No, like, I know what you mean. That's yeah. a stretch, but for the guys like me, it's just it as important like for him to have yeah. it. John Smith to have it is a Scotty B. Right. Just as important. Right, and right. Scotty B ain't no more important than than that one consumer. Yeah. It's not. Right, right. Because they can direct promote them. Back in the day, they couldn't. Mm. So they needed they needed every Scotty B they could get to play it at the clubs. But not no more. They don't right, need right. the club for that. So they don't need Scotty B for that. They they rather send it to him, to be honest. He's going to buy it. Scotty B ain't going to buy it. Right. Scotty <laughs> B wants it free because he's, he's used to that. Right, right, right. With Miss Tony, were you a part of him getting 
in the studio and starting to make records and he, stuff? The first thing he did was with Frank. And um, then the second wave of stuff he was doing was with us. Okay. And, you know, we, we were at the clubs. I mean, Frank was one thing. You know, Frank was, was the radio. He was the big radio guy. Right. He's cool, but he still was kind of out of touch. Mm. Not out of touch, but, I mean, out of your touch or our touch. You know what I mean? He wasn't with us, right. like, in our yeah. world, you know? Yeah. And um, so Tony did those because, I mean, his party because you almost had to, but he would come to our parties because he wanted to. Mm. Because with us, we, we walked in the street with him and, you know, we were all the same people, you know what I mean? He, Frank, he was up here, you know what I mean? Right, right, That's right. the way it was. So it was a little bit more, at the, it was a little bit more loose with him, you know, when the thing is, when Tony started, you knew your your shit was going good, and your shit was making noise when Tony came, because Tony wouldn't tell you he was coming. He would hear something was jumping off, or this night on Thursdays over here is good. This, Tony come into place, mm. you know, and get on the mic for you and start coming every week. That's how my shit was making noise, because Tony came. He never tell you when he was coming, and he would start. He would come in and do it for tips. Or like, man, give me twenty, thirty dollars, you know. And he's making tips off them shout outs. Yeah, oh, that's right. dude, that's start right. giving him yeah. ten dollars and twenty. Say this, say this, hundred dollars, say this. So he made money off them fucking shout outs. To me, he's like, he he made the most fully formed songs of club, in my opinion. Like, in a way, but you know, a lot of that stuff had to get edited because in the studio, he he wasn't focused on structure. There was no. One, two, three, four, eight, six, oh, yeah. thirty-two yeah. with him. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, I'm not saying it's all him. No, but, but no, right. he no, he for that time, yeah. Yeah. He was he was um I mean, some people are he stole that from me. I'm not hearing that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially for the people that are saying it. You I know, we you know yeah. the name unruly came from him being in the studio, not saying unruly was was the name of the label. And um, we told him that, right? And so he said, say it in the song once. He started saying it as if our name was unruly, as like a group, like musically. So we said, fuck it. We just went with it. Yeah. Because he went in this song, to this song, you know, it was the first club song that really got radio play and rotation. Was what's up? What's up? Oh, okay. So we said fuck it. We we already heard the song when we were doing the studio. It was gonna be big. We said fuck it. Don't change it. But he god damn why do that? I mean we we didn't. Of course it was great. It's great now. Yeah. Twenty years later, but when we first in the studio, he we said he's he's out of context. He's out of context. He's saying it like it's a person. <laughs> it's a label, right? Right. right. Well, fuck it. I mean we just kept it down. We just rolled with it. Yeah. Is there other? Artists you worked with from that time or any time that stand out as like, you know, I mean, high cl- points. Class was great. Yeah. It's great. Um, Griffin Boo, great. Yeah. Um, I like Patrick. Um, his stuff, personally, his stuff, because it was different. You Wait, know? who's Patrick? DJ Patrick. If you look at some of the old records, his name okay. Like Quiet Records was DJ Patrick. Okay. And um, 
I like the equalizer. Um, like after we did the one record and um we didn't see eye to eye kinda on the direction of it. But, how how so? Um it was kind of fluky in a way that me and him ended up doing the first record because me and Sean were really tight. Right. This doesn't mean Bob worked together. Um not taking nothing away from his creativity. Yeah. Right? Um that just was fluky. You know, it just mm. the, the, we ended up doing it. He had he wanted to do records. And um, he kept put, you know, he he knew I had ideas, and I had records, you know, to sample from like good stuff people didn't have, and um, so we just ended up going to the studio and we did it, and um, then after that I just was basically with Sean, and um, so Bob was doing his own, like in the first couple of them, that were song songs on the records, they were great. And then, um, like when he started doing them breakbeat albums, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess he did well with them because he did a lot of them, and a couple of them had like one break that everybody wanted to play, and they were, I mean, good for him. You know what I mean? If it worked, it's nothing I would have did. I don't mean it ain't working. I don't right. mean it ain't good. It's just something that I wouldn't have did. I like when he was doing that kick it with the white label and the black and orange label. We bad on it. Like some of the ones in the SOS, the yellow one was real good, and um. It's a shame that people don't play them now when they play classic, quote-unquote, Baltimore Club. Those records kind of get um, skipped by. I, I I mean, some records are big in the moment. Yeah. And some are, um, of course, the ones that are more to the root and the core end up being the ones that are in the moment, unfortunately. Yeah. And, like, watch out for the big girl. It'll probably be all time, you know what I right, mean? Because right. it had lyrics, even though it's one line over and over, but a lyric that hits you. Like, like Bob's stuff is more like stuff I would have made myself. It's like more to the root of it, and more like that original, like that UK hip hop stuff where there's a little sample and some stuff we kind of made in it. And people ain't gonna remember that. It's too, you know, at the end of the day, that's not gonna last twenty. That's gonna be twenty five years. It's gonna be good music. But people don't want good music anyway, especially now. They they want something they can remember real fast. Watch out for the big girl. Pull your guns mm. out. Tear the club up. Girl, you know you got the bombing cop. Blah, blah, you know, things like that, which are catchy, even though at that time they, they still are raw Baltimore club tracks, but they have something that people remember. You know, the stuff Bob made was... Uh, it was good. It, it's a little... It's 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 too much good music to be remembered. Unfortunately, that's how right. it is. Yeah, that really confused me when I first heard the record you guys did. Like, just that tr the like too much. Like, right. I always was like, why why have I never heard this on on the radio or whatever? You know what I mean? Like, but you feel like it's just not quite like. It doesn't like stick in people's heads. It doesn't the same stick way in people's heads because it's it's nothing in there that's made to stick in people's heads. It's like you know you got watch out for the big girl. You got, I mean the track is good, but you remember watch out for the big girl. His right. stuff, you know, and, and his and the stuff like he was making, everything was kind of on the same level. It was all on a good level, so nothing sticks out. 
to make you like I'm not saying in a bad way, I'm almost saying in in the op, in a good way. Yeah. Everything was on such a high level, nothing sticks out. It's just that, you know, just certain things almost purposely some things need to be brought back just so something else can stick out. It's yeah. almost like I sometimes I and this is something people don't want to hear no more either, but I I remember being taught to, to DJ that way. Make the make the night like this. Mm. So your ups stick way out. It's almost like you train the people, you bring it down to people, you make them chill a little bit, and then bam. See, you know, that's you know, I don't I mean I mean Bob stuff was good and, and you know he you know at one point he just stopped. And plus the thing was he wasn't he was a DJ. He wasn't a DJ for that crowd. I mean, he'll try to tell you he was, but he never played in them places. You know what I mean? Like, he tried to say, you were the only way you got to play in God. I said, Bobby played in that one night. Okay. You yeah. played in that one night on a Thursday, and they kicked you out. <laughs> I mean, I ended up being a legend in that place, humbly saying it. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, don't try to, I mean, you were good at what you did. Right. And I was good at what I did. I mean, it's... He didn't have that advantage of, um, because he wasn't a street kid. You know, he was from Highland Town. Right. right. And he didn't know people. He worked in us. He'll try to tell you a story about somebody said, them stories are so few and far between and and customized. It's like, you know, Bobby, it's not you. I mean, I'm, I'm, the reason is because he didn't, he, he weren't, he wasn't, He'll try to say he sold all these mixtapes. No, 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 no. You didn't have them advantages for your music going forward. I right, mean, it's unfortunate. Right. I mean, you know, but, I mean, he's happy with it. Yeah. He got, he's got classics. I mean, oh, yeah. the thing is, if, if it's hard for anything to be a classic when the people you played it for, they're 50 years old now. So, it doesn't, they're not even the ones that's, they're so old. Like me. You know what I mean? It's, what we say, we're older than than the the classic makers. Like, like you got people that's eighteen to twenty one or twenty five, and the people that's thirty five. Oh, they'll say, oh, well, I remember back in the day. Y'all don't. I'm fifty. What y'all saying is young to me, but I'm not still going out so much. So you have the current people. You got the little bit of older people that you would call. Old school nights, then you got people over here that don't go out no more. Right, right. That's right. where Bob is now anyway. That's where I'm at now anyway. Yeah. Even though mine was so long, I just, like I got a couple generations of, of I don't want to call them fans, but people, you know what I mean? So yeah, it'll be people that remember me from Miss Tony. It's people that remember me before Miss Tony. Yeah. It's people that remember me from Music Riley made. You know, it's people yeah. that remember me from uh uh Cash Money record stuff, you know what I mean? They, they, they were 21 when that came out. I was, you know, almost 40 and playing that for them for the first time. So I got a mm. lot of different generations. I got people and their mothers that they got two different memories of me. Right, right, Fortunately, right. Fortunately, as a DJ, I last, I'm so much better as a DJ than a music producer because I'm not, you know, and I tell people that. But I got that. I got a longevity there. Yeah, you know, yeah. so you know, you know, Bob didn't have that. He never really. Ha I mean, wherever he says he DJ that in Highland Town, I mean, great. You know what I mean? But 
musically he he was great you know what i mean it's just that um it's not maligned but he just had his lane and um what he his lane really wasn't his music he had a lane as far as what he could do with it personally what he could do with it because he didn't have a lot of the other stuff to go with it he sure didn't, he yeah. didn't have the relationships you know before i was in working in the stores I already knew everybody was coming to the stores. I went to school with them. Then I, I went to parties with them. Then I did the parties with them. Then I was at the store. And Bob did, Bob lived in Highland Town. Right, right. Bob didn't know anybody going to them stores he ended up trying to work at. Bob didn't DJ them parties. Bob, you know, I mean, we do live in America. And it's not post-racial. And it's never been post-racial. And so... You know, if you're a white kid in the record store and it's all black kids coming in there and they're not that's not what they're used to seeing, well you try to sell them a mixtape. Mm. And your name is and they don't know you. Right, right, right. Oh, that ain't happening. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. like if it was all the way around. Right. You know, right. if you was a black kid in a, in a white environment and they don't know you, especially then, you can't push an idea on them. Right. You ain't doing right. it. So, you know, Bob was he couldn't break that. You know what I mean? That's not his fault. That's just the way people are. And maybe they were missing out. Right, right. But, I mean, they knew me. You know what I mean? Personally, yeah. they knew me. So it wasn't. And the name came and that was that. You know, it's easy once you got a a reputation or some kind of something. I mean, it may stuff, does make stuff easier. Sure. I yeah. mean, but people don't understand it, that it didn't start with with that point. I mean, I sold tapes for two dollars. I sold them. I, they set the damn prices. You know, when I first like, what do you want? They ten. Man, I ain't paying ten. Like, who are you? I'm not paying ten. Man, whatever. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're okay at the club, but I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> man, fuck it, man. How much? What? Four dollars? What up? All right, give it to me. All right, we're gonna take a break there. Let's come back in a little later in our conversation as we talked about. New types of people getting interested in the music and new types of people making the music. Like when the hipster thing really picked up on the club music and like a lot of the people from New York and on the East Coast together kind of was like it was one world and and all that. And, you know, um, all of them wanted to come to Baltimore like they were coming to Mecca. Right, right. Um, and, you know, they would come sometimes and go shopping for records or try to, you know, they like to see, kind of like investigate stuff and see what shit's all about. Because it's a lot, for a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them, it's not just music. A lot of it has to do with, with writing or, and a lot of different stuff. Yeah. Right? And, um, they want to see what the whole thing is. And I said... Y'all hear, and y'all know about K-Swift from the radio, but the shit that y'all like was, you missed. That shit was 10 years ago. I said, you don't like the radio, so why are you worrying about the radio? I mean, you y'all, you always want something organic and grassroots and anti-whatever. You missed that. That was mm. 10 years ago. You really missed... Lines down the street for a club playing music nobody hears on the radio and it's really coming straight out the studio to the club and all that. Not people coming to you talking about play this because K-Swift played on the radio. Right, right. This is commercial. I mean, this really doesn't... 
the music kind of fits what you do, but the culture of it no longer does. And what you think you're going to see, you're going to go to clubs where they, they're not playing this. They don't play that. You play it more where you're at than the descript, descriptive word in the music that you're playing there, right. which is Baltimore. They knew, like one time a lady came from France and heard me play at a club here, one of my regular places, and she said, but I wanted to film like club music. No, you said you wanted to film Baltimore. This is Baltimore mm. now. We don't play club in mm. here. We okay. just don't. You know what I mean? It's not. It's gone. I mean, as far as what you think did happen, it ain't happening now. Like that whole right. that it's a culture. You're you you made this popular for yourself. Diplo and your thing made this popular. This is gone. You may have heard on the radio, but that ain't that against what you do. I mean, it's just it's funny. You try to explain it to them, like you missed it. You, it's gone. It's not your fault. But you heard on the radio. That ought to tell you something. That mm. ought to tell you something. Mm. So you never felt with all the like outside interests, like you never felt good about it necessarily. Um, no, I was. I wasn't against it because I like what I like kind of what they brought to it too. Uh huh. Because they were playing, it wasn't classic house, but they were playing stuff like that. Yeah. And electro, but when it kind of first started, now, now dubstep and all that uh, twerk, that's all fabricated stuff, and I don't like it. Yeah. So much, but um. I wasn't against it at all because I like I, I like the other stuff that they played, you know, and I appreciate it. And like some, do, I mean, people, I wasn't against it because people wanted to be involved with it, and they made stuff, you know. I right. was not one of the people. My why are they making stuff? Well, how, what the fuck? You want to get, you know, prayed to by them? The greatest form of of flattery is imitation, so they imitate. It. What the fuck do you want? Right, right. You, what do you want them just to suck you off? Right. That's not happening. <laughs> Forever. I mean, it's just not. And plus, you took the shit from somewhere. I yeah, said, yeah. we started this style as, as an imitation of a few different things put together, which is Right, weird. right, right. I said, I'm not mad at what they're doing. You are. because, right. And we got into it. This is what I, I said. The difference between me and y'all, the people I was having this argument, was... Baltimore Club didn't make me. I made Baltimore Club. Mm. Baltimore Club made you. See, mm. that's why you can't see past that. Okay. You know, that's just what it is. I mean, that, what do you expect them not to make it? And then, you know, they, well, they benefit. They ain't benefiting off of shit that you did. They benefiting off of what they're doing. Right. And right. then they, you know, they turn Baltimore Club into, um. Dutch House and Dutch House turned into Electro and Electro turned into Lizard. I said, look what they did with it in, in a year. Look mm. what the fuck you still doing with it 20 years later. Mm. Same shit. Same shit. That's why they gone on and ain't thinking about you. I said, as a DJ, do you, I mean, if you weren't making music, you wouldn't have any control about what stuff people made. Right, right, You right. know, you would have to play what people made and people, a combination of what they made, what you like and think should be more exposed than what the crowd likes. A combination of all three. I mean, you. I mean, 
every music that comes out, there's a culture behind it. Mm. You know what I mean? Just like people say twerk. They just didn't take five letters out of the, off the board, mix them up, and, oh, let's call it twerk, because it mm. came out of twerk. There's a culture to that. You know what I mean? People twerk, you know, dancing. It's a, that's a culture to that. And, um, you know, there was a culture to Baltimore Club. You know right. what I mean? So the thing is, though, the people in that wave, that's where they're not connected to it, mm. the culture. I mean, you know, you're saying, I grew up in a neighborhood, and I, but you, it's it's different. You're not, you're, you're, and I'm not, I'm not saying you can't be from that culture because of a skin tone, but you know what I mean? You're, this is a whole, this is, you know, a seven day a week, 365, you know, a culture is something that people live without even realizing what they're doing. Right, right. You know, and, and you know, it's it's they don't describe it. They they wouldn't just the first thing out of their mouth is is wouldn't be, well I did this and I did that. That's not it's it's, it's like difference between rap and hip hop. Hip hop is the way you live and rap is the music to it. Uh huh. And um, there's a part of club that kind of separates itself from that group. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. They like parts of it, and then there's other parts that um they didn't feel comfortable identifying with so much. Like, once the, the fun part was over, it's time to, you know, we that's not something we do. I, it's it's kind of like, I mean, that's just what it is. I mean, it's almost like saying, uh, like back in the day, um, somebody saying uh, they like poor righteous teachers and public enemy. Yeah, it is great hip hop. But you hear what they're saying? I mean, they're really not identifying with you with what they're saying. So sometimes, I mean, and, and of course, I, nobody would ever confuse Baltimore Club with any kind of knowledge <laughs> or any kind of political standing. But uh-huh. um, it's just stuff in there that people just won't. It, it's almost like this. It's like I remember taking a guy with me as an MC down to um, Sonar. And he's saying on the mic, uh, put your hands up, ladies, if you got a, a job. You know, it's almost like looking at him like, huh? <laughs> but that's what people saying. It gets, it's, a, it's a big call and response. Right. If you got your own house, you got your own job, you don't need to do, do nothing for you. I mean, he's saying stuff like that, and that's real. I mean, that made what we would, I mean, that, that was exactly what we do somewhere else. But they were like, huh? Why wouldn't? Okay. It's it's not it's not good or bad. It's not something to be ashamed of. It's not yeah. to be proud of. It's just that's what that is. And I mean that so a lot of that music came from that. And I mean, you know, like you know when they in them songs talking about you know East Side West Side, or you know it became almost like a punchline. But when it first started, um, people got amped over that stuff. I mean, right. You know they really got amped over that, and it's. It, it didn't say directly, you know, go punch a dude from, from the other side of town in the mouth. But it said to be aggressive for yourself. Right. And then it said to them, be aggressive for yourself. Now right. we're putting you in the same box. Go ahead and um, fight. You know what I mean? It, it's kind of what it is. Right. You know, and, and 
I mean, but but you wouldn't. I mean, you know, dudes in that sonar crowd ain't doing that. They like the music. Yeah, what are they gonna? Yeah, they're like. But it's the same thing. Like right. I like I like poor righteous teachers music, but I, I you know this, the ideology behind what they're saying is nothing. I'm not even included in. What do you feel is, if anything, is left is left to be done? And with the paradise closing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. To be honest, it's. It kind of depends on how you how you want to see things because I always say to people and my kids too. I said you don't know if something's linear or if it's cyclical until it repeats. And even if it does repeat, that don't mean it's not linear. Mm. The repeat might be linear. You don't know. It's almost like it's impossible to tell. So you gotta, uh, you can't really be ever on cruise control of what you've done, because you don't. Nobody to nobody alive and nobody that ever recorded it can ever tell you the answer to that. Right? Is it linear? Is life? Is this whole being on Earth linear, which means it never repeats, or cyclical, which means it does. Right, right. But it does. If something repeats, doesn't mean it's not linear. You don't know, so you technically you'll never know. Right, right. And also, like when I try to explain to people, you know, um, how could, would you describe Baltimore Club? I said I describe it like music in general. I said, you know, Ozzy Brothers made Between the Sheets, right? Biggie sampled it and sang over it and. So did a thousand other people. So did Gwen Stefani. So did Roxanne Shantae. Guess what? It was a hit for everybody. Mm. I mean, they were all good artists. But that was a big hit. That Between the Sheets thing, just that the concept of the music to it, just, just like It Takes Two. It was a million It Takes Two. Woo yeah, woo yeah, woo yeah, right? So I say, you know, the kaleidoscope, it's what whatever's in there, seven colors. Six shapes. Never changes. You could do this, you'll never come up with the same thing twice. Never. Mm. And for a million years, you could come up with new ones. It's seven colors and six shapes in there. And yeah. that's it. I said, that's what Baltimore Club is and music in general. It's between the sheets will get recycled next year into a big head again. And with what with a a style that kind of fits whoever's listening to music now. Just like um, It Takes Two Will, just like James Brown Will, just like Bad Sister Lynn Collins, just like Sing Sing Still Is, just like all of them. It'll be, it'll be done in a rock song. It'll be done in a, a pop song. It'll be done in a reggae song. It'll be done in an R&B song. It'll be done in a house song. It'll be done in a rap song. Same shit. Yeah. It's nothing changed. It's not a lot of difference in the route to any of this stuff. That's all. It's a kaleidoscope with a couple different elements, and that's it. It's just same thing over and over and over and over again. So, so do you take comfort in that, thinking of it that way? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I understand it. You know, I, I, I know that, you know, I've seen some things go around a couple times. Maybe some people don't, or some, you know, it's... It's almost it's and it's kind of hard to. I mean, 
you know, people, older people always say, man, they don't know nothing because what they're doing now is okay, but they don't really know what this was or how, what fun was or what good music was or what really, what clubs supposed to be. They, you know what they're supposed to be? What they are. Guess right, what? People right. trying to make money. They're going to figure out the easiest way to make the most money. Whatever they're doing must be it because they ain't broke. Right, right. So I kind of, I, I, I understand that part. You know, and I try to wonder like right now, for instance, Classic House. Well, it ain't exactly Classic House, right? But it's close. But the thing is, you kind of wonder like, um, You have a certain kind of music, right? You have like, say, like, let's take it back to the classic house. You had classic house. It was musical. It was kind of soft. It was melodic. Um, it wasn't wild. You know what I'm saying? Then things got a little harder. And got a little harder. And then you had, and then you had techno. And then you had something else. And you had a bunch of screaming. And then so it's starting. It's the music itself. It's, it's more aggressive and it's more hyped up. It's more hyped up. It's more hyped up. Well, you know, and, and, and the thing is, is that, you know, and nowadays from back then, now everybody wants instant gratification. So songs ain't seven minutes like they were then. They're three minutes. Even dance songs are three minutes. Mm. Not just shit on the radio. Dance songs are three minutes. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. Ah! Automatic. It's there already. Yeah. It's on 1,000 in 20 seconds. So how can Classic House work now? Because in everything else with the with the people you need to be important for, which is kids, not eight year olds, but consumer kids, yeah, it doesn't fit everything else that they that they the way they get stuff, the way they 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 and and get it, ingest it, it doesn't fit. Mm. But that don't mean it ain't gonna work. It yeah. just may hit a different nerve. The fun part still is is finding out where that nerve is and what it is, mm, because yeah. it's 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 it just if you sit there and overthink it, it won't work. Right, right. Well, if right. you if you overthink it, it you can't see how that classic house can work right now for kids. Yeah, but it's hitting some kind of nerve. Maybe they're tired of just everything just being more excited, more excited, right. and more just out there. That it's just a whole different thing. I mean, I, I also, but you know, you, you just, it's just like everything now is a sad song. You know, movies, music, everything is, is about fighting or fucking something or it's not happy. Everything is, is, is their victim. Everything is, uh, fucked up. You know, it's right, nothing right. good. You know what right. I mean? It's just like, well, if you're talking about house music, and the most negative thing in a, in a classic house song is, it's going to be a better day. Nobody's saying nothing. That, nah, they're definitely not saying nothing's great, and they ain't saying nothing's going to be better. Yeah. It's just pessimistic stuff. So how has what Who's going to turn, turn like it around? Because it, it don't sound like nobody does. So I just don't wonder how. I mean, maybe stuff without vocals would work. But I, I would really like to see some happy house come out, but I, I, I just don't. I, I, it's just hard. I mean, I don't understand how. Um, I mean, with people had their issues and their problems, and you know they were singing about it. But but the thing is, again, it's not in the clubs anymore. So people used to go to clubs to release. So so the release of being like say a better day, right? 
was dancing and sweating and yelling it in a club. But people don't go to clubs now to get music. They listen to music on computers. Yeah. You know, so the, that ain't really where people go to release. People go to hear what they heard on the computer and they like it. And it doesn't necessarily even mean it's, it's so club ready. You know what I mean? It's not even music. I used to have discussions with people online all the time and say, well, your shit ain't no good, right? I'm like, well, it probably ain't. But because I'm a DJ and I'm not a musician, I make stuff strictly for a DJ to be able to play at a club and get a response. Yeah. I said, yeah, I'm not a musician. I'm not Diplo, whoever you like. I'll tell you that. I said, my shit not going to sound good on a computer. I guarantee you if, you take, if you're a DJ, you take it to a club, it's going to work because that was my inspiration for making. I'm sitting there thinking what's going to work for that. Mm. I don't know keys. I don't know nothing about notes. Key on try, 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 try. bought the fake stuff. Can't even make that work. Mm. I'm not there. Yeah. So I just, like, but when it comes to, like, musical trends and what you think might be next, a lot of times you're just better off doing something you like because especially when, like, I'm older, so my my knowledge of it is coming from a point where it would, if I think it, it won't make sense to even work. So I can't do that. I, I, if I sit here and think it, I'll tell myself don't do it. Right, right, right. Because it, the conditions don't exist that made these things come about. They don't right, exist. Right. So I don't, I wouldn't know what <laughs> right, to do. Right. So I'm just going to make something I like at this point rather than try to figure it out. Right, like scheme on. Oh, no, that ain't going to work because yeah. them things ain't there. Right. All my knowledge from whatever makes me say, oh, no, that, that ain't working. So right, I just right. sit there and don't do nothing. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you want to mention? Oh, no, I just, uh, Nothing. DJs need to go back to DJ booths and not stages. That's another problem. Okay. You know, it's not even, yeah. you know, it's about, they're not DJs, they're performers. It's not, like, I'm not mad for dudes that's making money that way, because they make a lot of money. Mm. And I know a lot of them guys, but I'm not that guy. I'm not mad at them, and I'm not mad at that because I'm not that guy. I'm not comfortable on a stage. Mm. I don't like lights. That's not what I was ever used to. You know, I'm not a model. I like playing. And even, like, in some booths, like in U-Haul, I know I'm the only DJ that will go in there and say, turn the lights down. Because mm. I'm not comfortable in lights. I, I, it took me a while to figure out what it was. Right, right, right. Because, like, before I started playing on that side of stuff, I know it was always in booths, right? And they started, uh, not all of them, but it started being more of a center of attention on DJs, you know, in the, in the, in the EDM scene last 10 years, and so, so you're on stage. Right, right. And um, I couldn't figure out why the fuck I didn't feel comfortable. It's the light. Mm. I can't do it in the light. So I started to turn the lights down. I said, I can't see the crowd. No, they're there to see you. No, yeah. fuck that. I have to see them. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. I never could understand. You see these videos of these big festivals and stuff. It's well, like, turned around looking at the DJ. Yeah. Like, and not just like a thousand people, like right. thousands and thousands of people. And they're not dancing they're like, with each other. Yeah, they're, they're like looking right, through then, binoculars. But no, shit. but it's, it, it's, that's the way it's, it's marketed. Yeah. And it's that You're selling that guy. He's not a DJ. He's a right. performer for these. But I mean, I, I don't fit that. I don't right. pretend to, you know what I mean? I just, 
I'd rather be in a club, in a booth, lights off on me. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh-uh. And um, we're probably going to try, me and, I don't know if you know Lambs. I know the name. Yeah, we're going to. Oh, oh, yeah, I do know him. We're going to start recently. trying to, we're going to start something soon. We already kind of talked about it. Trying to, like, just go back. Don't say we're going back. We're just going to do it that way. And let it, right, right. if it works, let it happen organically with some music and um, a, a booth. And that's a, st- a place we're going to do it. Got a stage. Let people dance. Let do what the fuck they want to do on that stage. And we're going to be in a booth and have people dance with each other more. And um, Where is it going to be? Crown. Okay, cool. And um, try to do a weekly. Oh, that's going to be great, man. And um, yeah, just, you know, we told you know, told them it's, we're not promoting it like that. And we're not, it's not going to. We wanted to just, uh, we'll take any night. I think the crown had a lot of steam about a year and a half ago. And now it seems it like it ain't where I would have ha- had seen it going. Mm. But that, fuck me. I'm, it's not my place and it's not my scene and it's not anything about me. It's not my target audience. I'm not part of the target audience. I'm not part of, most of the time, the, the what the target audience want to see, you know what I mean. So yeah. it doesn't matter. But at one point, I saw it like, wow, this almost seems like it's a different scene that and it's healthy because it's obviously it wasn't ten billion dollars thrown at it, and right. it's winning because it has money behind it. And it, I obviously still don't have money behind it, even though I do like that they improved the place because they made money. And um, but uh. The world's different, you know what I mean? It's and it's it is what it is, and they, you know, they club owners want promoters and to come in and do a night here and there. That's how that's how the place is run now. It's period point by the, the you know the owners don't want any financial responsibility. Basically, of like this is my club, I'm going to promote it. I'm going to hire me one guy, and he's going to DJ, and this is what it's going to be. You know, it's not how shit works yeah, anymore. Yeah. And that goes across racial lines, anything. Right. No clothes. That's how all the clothes work now. They want a promoter in there. And to throw a party weekly or once here and there, and they handle every fucking thing, and they're paying them, and that's it. All they want to do is that this business is between you and me, and you better have my money for your party. And that's it. Mm. And that's it. You know, they don't give a fuck who cares what thinks about their club as long as their club, you know, is, you know, is the way when they open the night, when the lights got turned off, when they turn the lights back on, it looks the same. And yeah. that's it. Right, right, right. And the register's right. And they don't care about nothing right. else. They ain't worried about somebody saying uh, this was a legendary club. This is not a club to them. This is a business. This has nothing to do with art. It has nothing to do with a right. memory. It has nothing to do with nothing. I mean, I just... Only, and the only only people that even care about something like that is somebody old because they experienced it. Right, right, right. You know, nobody, somebody that ain't never seen that don't even know to think that way. And they should. Now, what the fuck? And guess what? Before me and my crew and people before them, so when it was live bands in clubs, you think when the DJs came along, they weren't mad? Right. Of course they were right. mad. They were mad as shit. Like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? This ain't entertainment. What is this guy? It's yeah, just playing yeah. other people's music. Who ever heard such a thing? And when people start getting that real DJ, and I said, motherfucker, you, you stole bands' money. Really? Right, I right, mean, right. We weren't the first thing in the club. 
Well, cool, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's, it's really an honor, man. It's nah, it's really cool, man. It. All right, that's it, man. Thank you once again to Scotty B. We'll see you next week.